Good morning. It's good to see you. I'm sorry that we've got uh, several who are sick and not doing well, and we miss them, and I'm sure they miss us, and we can take a little time to reach out to them through a text or a phone call or one way or the other, and as mentioned, there's some cards back there to sign for some of them, so please do that, because when you can't be here, you at least appreciate when people let you know they, they, they noticed you were gone. So anyway, uh, do that. We always want to look at ways to strengthen and encourage one another. Tim brought something up in his class that I'll mention. Oh, man, we're about, this congregation about three years old. So uh, you think about that and how much God has blessed us in those three years and continues to bless us. And always things we can continue, we can always continue to do better in any and everything, right? But definitely we can look at ways to reach out to one another and encourage and strengthen one another more. And we need to look at ways to reach out to people that aren't members of the church and in the world around us and invite them, encourage them to come. I guarantee if you don't invite them, they won't come. And, uh, you know, we need to do that. We need to be a bright light in a dark world. Uh, we need to be salt and not lost our savor. And uh, we could go on and on with... Uh, parables, analogies that Jesus drove, and we've got to remember that, because I think if we don't watch out, we get lost in just living this physical life, and we forget what life's really about. It's not about here. It's about our home in heaven. So I chose today uh, to look at this passage a little bit in uh, James chapter 1, verses 16, 17, and 18. My main point comes from the first part of verse 17, and people have been, and brethren have been deceived about this. Every good thing comes from yourself. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. Every good thing comes from a certain political party. It doesn't say that. Every good thing can be found on the Internet. Um, you look at that, I'm telling you, and we've got to remind ourselves, every good thing comes down from above. And you know... We need to really live that. You, we, we right here, you know, just think about at the end of our morning assembly, uh, we thank God for the food we're about to eat. Why? You, you guys got it out, and you guys went to the store and bought it, and you cooked it, so why we think? Every good thing, even the sweets over there, every good thing comes from above. And you think about it, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, I understand physically it's just crackers, unleavened bread, and grape juice. I understand that. But that's not what we're really... I mean, I thank God we've got those things, but what I really thank God for is what it represents and what I have because of what it represents. And so I think about that idea of giving thanks to God for those things. And there's nothing good that doesn't come from God. Now, let me say on the other side, and we don't have time to cover today, bad stuffs don't come from God. They don't come from above. It's motivated totally from somewhere else. And sometimes, we don't like to admit it, it's motivated from within us. And we have to hold on to that. So I want to talk a little bit about that today, and that idea of all these good things come from above. And we here at Franklin County, we need to remind ourselves or remind one another and keep that in the forefront of our mind with everything we do every day. You know, not everybody loves their job. Did you know that? And no one loves every part of their job. Okay? 
Is a job a good thing? Try to live without one. See how that goes. So even if it's tough, even if it puts blisters on your hand, make your back hurt, aggravates you, makes your hair fall out or turn gray or whatever, you know, still a good thing. We got to remember where it comes from. Because if we don't watch out, we always focus on what's bad. You know, I'm telling you, we have potluck. There's always plenty of food there to eat. There are some things you bring. I don't eat that. Somebody else likes it, and that's all that matters. And I don't just focus on the one thing. Oh, man, why'd they bring that stuff? I hate that. You know, you can get, no, man, I can find plenty in there I can eat that I do like. And we've got to remember it comes from God. And I might be hungry enough someday to eat that, but, you know, I've been pretty blessed in my life, so if I don't like it, I usually don't have to eat it. Now, when I grew up in my mom and dad's house, sometimes my mom made me eat it. I don't know what she thought that was proven, but anyway... You still look and you learn those things. But all these things come from God. Look with me. We might be back to James 1 here again in a minute. But turn with me over to Matthew 5. I want to show you something. Matthew 5, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to this. When every good thing is our blessings from God then. So I know the word blessed means heavenly happiness. But it means from where it comes from, Right. Listen to this. I'm just going to read the first word of a few verses. I'm going to start at verse 3. Blessed, 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 rejoice. Now, I, don't even, I know what the rest of the verses say, but I, that's, that's important, isn't it? So I want you to think about it. If God blesses us, now I know there's strings on those blessings in those verses, but if God blesses us, what should our actions towards Him be? Rejoice. The blessing comes from God. Rejoice that it comes from God. Be joyful it comes from... You know, let me tell you what. Rejoicing looks like this, not like this. You know, sometimes... You know, we can sing songs. I don't know, this world is not my home. Or we can sing songs about heaven and I've got a mansion just over the hilltop and if we took a picture of you you'd think you hated to sing that song you just look like you're embittered like you sing a song that has so much joy in it and you can't even smile about it so you know you've heard someone before if you're happy maybe you ought to inform your face we have to remember that people can see things about us just by looking at us and so I, I do tell you one thing I do know, and I had people who were really big about this, is, you know, you can train yourself to smile a lot more. Some of you say, well, I don't smile much. That's because you choose not to. You can teach yourself to smile. You can learn to do that. You can remind yourself. That can become, Tim was talking about those habits. Bad habits are easy to form and hard to get rid of, but good habits take real work. And so if you got any good habits, you had to really work at them to have them. And you'll have to work at them to sustain them. But look at this. That is just so interesting. All these blessings are from God. Now, here's one other thing I think we've got to remember in that. Go over to uh, James chapter 4. And I'm going to read a few verses here starting at verse 13 read to the end of the chapter. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such city and spend a year there and engage in business and make profit. Oh, we talk like we know what the future is. You know, 
5.30 today, I'm going to watch Super Bowl. Maybe you are, and maybe you aren't. You know, this is... Now, I'll tell you what, I thought about Super Bowl Sunday. This ain't Super Bowl Sunday. This is Super Sunday. Every Sunday super because we get to come together and worship God. Now, I'm going to tell you what, we don't, have, we don't have to worry about it here so no one has to prove themselves in attendance because the Super Bowl, we don't have a service while the Super Bowl is going on. We have a service right after lunch. But I will, without question, there are going to be many brethren who consider themselves faithful who will miss this afternoon service across this nation to stay home and watch that game. I tell you what, it is not a super Sunday for them. And so we've, we can forget what's important, can't we? We can lose sight. It's just one week a year, Kendall. Yeah. I think Tim Kidwell's sermon this morning is something about the Lord coming back during the Super Bowl. Come on, Lord, I'm ready. you can come back during the Super Bowl. If I don't get to find out whether the Chiefs or the 49ers won because the Lord come back, you know what? Whether who wins and loses that game had nothing to do with my eternal destination anyway. Now, not that it isn't kind of fun to watch. And if anyone really needs to know, and I've already let some people know, I know who's going to win the game. The team that scores the most. So anyway, just so, so I know. I know who it's going to be. So that is a fact. So you can know a lot more. But you read on in this passage. He says, you don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanish away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, all blessings come from the Lord. All my time comes from the Lord. Whether I have time comes from the Lord. I need to give him recognition. We need to remember that, don't we? We need to be reminded of that time and time again. Look at another one. Another way that the Lord gives us blessing. Turn over to Revelation 1 and look just real quick, for time's sake, at verse 3. Blessed or blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Listen to me now. This verse, and there's going to be some others here. You know one way God chooses to bless you? Read and show up when it's time for someone to teach a lesson or present a sermon. Because reading and hearing is some of the avenues in which God chooses to distribute His blessings. And if you don't do that, those blessings you can't receive. And they're some of the greatest blessings that are ever offered. And if you look on at that verse, so it's going to be hard to heed these things if you don't know what they are, isn't it? So read. We, we at this congregation, we try to encourage everyone to be a daily Bible reader. Does that answer everything? No. Do we try to encourage everyone to assemble together and take the Lord's Supper on the first day of every week? Does that answer everything? No, you still got to sing when you're here. You still got to pray when you're now, But I'm still going to try to get everyone to come and partake of the Lord's Supper. Well, I'm still going to try to get everyone to open up the Bible on a daily basis and read. And then I'm going to try to get them to show up to hear. This passage says, even in the book of Revelation, the book of prophecy, which would apply to any of God's Word in a um, broad spectrum, but we've got to remember to read and study. Now, here's one that we're going to turn to one of my favorite verses on blessings from God. 
Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Listen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How many spiritual blessings come from God? Every spiritual blessing. And where can they be found? In Christ. Do you know how many spiritual blessings you get from God if you're not in Christ? None. Do you know how many spiritual blessings you get from another source if you're in Christ? None. Spiritual blessings. Now, physical blessings, I was noticing this morning when I was out early outside the house, and as soon as it started getting a little light, boy, we had blue skies, clear skies. Sunrise was pretty today, but it was nothing compared to yesterday. I mean, if you missed sunrise yesterday, you missed something. Because I'm telling you, it was beautiful. Do you know what? Christians and non-Christians alike can receive that blessing at that sunrise. But they don't get to enjoy some of the things I get enjoyed because I know my Father put it there. And I'm going to remain in Christ so I can receive all these spiritual blessings. We've got to remember who He is. Uh, there are so many that we could look at, and I don't have time to look at them all, but I think it is abundantly important. But let's do look at a couple others. Turn with me. Some of them we're familiar with, but we forget how they tell us about those blessings. So go with me over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Let me make sure I get the right verse for you. Go down to verse 11. Now this, this is telling you. Now, before we read it, Who's better, your parents or God? Okay? Look at this passage of Scripture. This is important. If I had time, we'd look at bigger section of Scripture. If you then, being evil, well, I'm not evil. Well, I've sinned. You then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who's in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? Now, good... What's that mean? Have you ever asked God to give you something because you thought it was good, and then in the long run you found out it wasn't the best thing for you? You know why that is? Because we're pretty feeble at best. So that's how come you think back to James chapter 4. So when I asked for these things, I said, but God, that's, that's just how I perceive it, and I think that's how it needs to go, and I think this be best, but you know better, so your will be done. That's what we got to remember. Here will be. I thought things were best, and in the long run, they didn't end up to be the best. I'm glad sometimes I asked for some of those things, and I remember, but God, you know what's best, and He didn't give them to me because He knew they weren't the best for me. He, he withheld them. He answered my prayer, but He answered in a way that was better for me than I even knew would be better for me. Now, that didn't take... I, people sometimes will talk about, well, I don't understand that. I tell people, you know, there's several things in the Bible I don't understand, but I accept and trust God, whether I understand it or not. Because if you're going to place your obedience on your understanding, many times you will not be obedient. Because the brightest person in this room doesn't hold a candle to God. And so we have to look... I, <coughs> God gives me all these good and wonderful blessings. <clears throat> now, let me ask you, though, can I take the blessings God gave me and use them against God? 
Oh, I could. What he blesses me with could end up being a curse to me because my misuse. But he meant for it to be a blessing. He meant for it to be good. I think about another passage I like on this point. Uh, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. I don't like that part. I know it's real. But the free gift of God, whose gift? God. God gives it, it's eternal life. Hmm. Is that good? Oh, that's an understatement, huh? It's good. It's as good as it gets. And you know where it comes from? From God in Christ Jesus. That's where the spiritual blessings are. So all these good things come from God. Let me ask you this. How important is oxygen? If you don't understand that, someone go back and get a plastic bag and we'll try to help the person who doesn't understand it. We'll just put it over their head and tighten it real tight. And I bet you start fighting me in a little while. Oxygen's good, isn't it? Gravity's good. People say, yeah, till you step on a scale, see what you weigh, and then you didn't like, can, can God let up a little bit on the gravity here? But no, you look at those things, and God, all those things are from God. He gave us those things. He gave us our ability, our mentality. He gave us our, our physical attributes. He gave us all these things, our intellect and intelligence. He gave us a conscience. You know, you just think, I have nothing that is worth anything that didn't come from God. It came from God. Now, you can get bad things, and you can hold on to bad things. Hmm. Let me ask you this from Tim's class this morning. You know, one thing people have a hard time with is forgiving, and sometimes forgiving. Some people just are grudge holders. They never let it go. I see it when I talk to people that are married. I see it in marriage. Well, they, I remember when. You better learn to forget when. You know, and it might even be something. Well, you told them you forgave them for it, so how can you bring it up again? Obviously, you bring it up, and you still hold it against them. So you hold a grudge. Well, if I hold a grudge against you, then how's God going to deal with me? If you don't forgive those, he won't forget. You want the passage? We can return over to Matthew 6 and read it. So I've got to make sure of that. Is that always easy to do? Mm -mm. Was it easy for God to forgive us? You guys ever look at the Garden of Gethsemane and the cross? <sighs> easy and forgiveness doesn't work together. Forgiveness is costly. Sin might take you further than you want to go. And to return to God, what it takes to be right with God and gain forgiveness had huge unbelievable, monumental costs. Wow. And so I think about that. I've got to remember where these blessings come from. Let's look at a, a few more passages. Turn with me over to uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read a few verses here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to start at verse 6, and I'm going to read through to 15. And my main point is, is in 15, but I think we've got to kind of get the context a little bit here. So 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Does that kind of, in my words, would that kind of mean you're going to get out of things what you put into it? People who hardly ever show up for a church service, is it amazing they have a weak faith? It shouldn't be. It's obvious. So you're going to get out of it what you put into it. He says, each one, 
and he's talking about giving here. Each one was must do just as he's purposed in his heart. So you purpose, you not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He appreciate he loves a cheerful giver who gives monetarily. He loves a cheerful giver who gives of their time. He loves you, you can't think. He loves a cheerful giver. Now, now I think about that. So should a Christian be cheerful? Well, then that would that mean that Jesus was cheerful and God is cheerful? Huh. Well, then we need to be cheerful. Gus, read on. Ooh, look at this. Listen to this. And God is able. You know, believe it or not, if you look at my Bible, that's underlined. God is, and, and the printer of the Bible didn't put that in there, I did. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance of every good deed, for every good deed. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food, that's who supplies it, yeah, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Well, now we're talking about spiritual seed, right? It says, you're not going to run out of seed. God said, I got, I got you covered. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgiving to God. Because the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience in your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. So are they going to notice your obedience and your sacrificial givings, what he says? Look on, though, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God into you. Here's the one I wanted to get to. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. So why would I be willing to put money in that basket? <clears throat> Whatever I put in there is pocket change compared to what God's given to me. God paid what I couldn't pay. And it is unbelievable payment. This indescribable gift. You try to tell somebody how great salvation is sometimes. You try to tell people how great forgiveness of sin is. You try to tell people how great Jesus Christ is. And this lesson is going to last a long time if you want me to do that. Because, I mean, you won't get to watch Super Bowl. Because I can talk about how great Jesus is for days. It's in this, it's, you know, you think about even heaven. Heaven. Heaven is a wonderful place. I sang that song from the time I was a kid. And I think even as God describes it to us with our feeble understanding, are, are the, is the street there in front of the throne of God in heaven, is it gravel, asphalt, or concrete? Well, I don't think he's literal, but he's saying, I'm telling you what, 
Money's no object here. We, we, the street's gold. The gates, they might be a pearl. I mean, you look at this thing, he says, it's beyond, it's indescribable. It's so far beyond, Kendall, what your feeble mind can understand, it isn't even funny. I remember things I've seen that amaze me. If you ever get to Alaska and you're on the Seward Highway and you turn from going down to Seward and you go towards Kenai, along the Kenai River, it is going to blow your mind. Because when you see the Kenai River, you've been to amusement parks and see they put color in the water and it's kind of tur real, real turquoise. That river looks like that naturally. I'm telling you, it's that color. First time I saw it, I said, what in the world? It's unbelievable. You know, God must have painted that river turquoise just for me, just so I would know how great God is. Look at this. You know, and you think about all those things God supplies to us, and isn't it a shame some people don't even see God in it? But what he really gave us is indescribable as a spiritual gift that can only be found in Christ Jesus. So two more passages real quick. One of them is short and sweet and straight to the point, and probably almost all of you can quote it, Philippians 4.13. You know why you know you can get it done? Because Christ supplies you what you need to do it. And if I can't do it, you know whose fault that is? I'm dependent on me and not on him. And I already know Kendall fell every time on his own. But with Christ, I'm victorious. I win. The victory's already been done. He's already crushed Satan's head. There is a reservation made in heaven for me because I've obeyed the gospel. I, a long time ago, read and studied and was taught the scripture and heard about Jesus Christ being the Son of God and he came to this earth and he lived for me sinlessly and he died on the cross and he ascended into heaven and one day he's going to return take him. So I believe that and so someone asked me on that day, Kendall, do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Let me think. No, I didn't say let me. I said, yes, I do. I confess that truth and I repented and was immersed in a watery grave of baptism for the forgiveness of my sins. Wow. Mm. What a great blessing. And God, in Christ Jesus, will supply me whatever I need. Let me ask you this. Can the church grow in 2024? If God gave the instruction for it to grow, but you got to grow it the way he said, right? And you got to do what he said. Can it grow without you and me talking to everyone out there about the gospel? If we pray for church growth, but we go a week and we don't invite anybody or try to study with anybody, can we grow? We get, don't, don't stay home in your easy chair and hide away so I didn't see anybody. So get your rear end in gear and get out there and see somebody. You, gotta, you, got to, you don't have to hang out with them, but I'm telling you, I can show this. Come up here sometime in the dark. We can get a light, a lamp, and set it in here and they give light. Well, we'll go set it back in a closet and see how much light you get here. Sometimes we just stay in a closet. And then we wonder why no one comes. Because you're hiding. And so we have to get out there and we have to share that message. And we have to live it consistently. And we have to make sure that we flee from any appearance and every appearance of evil. And we have to make sure that we live as Christ-like as we can so that when people see us, it doesn't give them questions about Christianity on what it shouldn't be, 
but it draws them on what it should be. Those are challenges, aren't they? That's Christianity. Can you do it? Yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can we evangelize the world? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can we read the Bible? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can we memorize verses? I can do all things. Don't give me your lame excuses. Because all you're telling me is Christ can't do it. That's what you're telling me. Because when you say you can't do it, you're saying Christ can't do it. Christ can do it. And if you'll just submit to him, you remember there in 2 Corinthians, God is able. Wow. I'm not very able, but he is, so I just need to lean on him and depend on him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Go to one more I think is so big, and we look at it on some things, but we're going to look at it a little bit more today. Go over to Matthew 6 and verse 33. Thinking of all good things come from above. So in Matthew 6 and verse 33, we read this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Okay? So he's going to take care of something It says it. I'm going to read the next verse, and then we're going to back up. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You ain't a kidding. Why am I going to worry about what tomorrow brings? I might get fortunate, and the Lord might return, so why am I worrying about tomorrow? You think as humans, we're taught to always be concerned and anxious for what the future might bring. I don't know what the future is going to bring. I don't know if I'm going to be here. You know, there's a ton of people that have lived on this earth that's died before they're my age. So I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think I'm healthy. I'm thinking everything good. I've known people that were extremely healthy and way fitter than I am and in their 30s and ran every day. And one day, a fellow by the name Bill went out to run as healthy as could be and his heart exploded. They didn't know the flaw was in his heart. That could happen to you and me. Don't think everything's set in perfectly like life's going to continue. That's what we act like. It's, it's going to hit the fan sometime. And so we look at this passage. You got to seek first. Now I know what first means. That means it's not second. That means it's the very first. Seek first. This is what you got to get first. The kingdom of God. And I know what that means. I was taught from the time I was a child Almost every time in the New Testament, when you read kingdom of God, it means the church. And if it doesn't, you better be able to prove to me that it doesn't in that passage. So put the church first. Hmm. Would I be sitting at a football game during a church service if I put the church first? Would I be sitting in a tree stand hunting on a Sunday during service time? If I put the church first, you know, let me keep going. Would I stay home with family when they come to visit? I can go on. You guys, I, we could give you insight. There's no, seek first the kingdom of God and his right, and then do the right thing. But then he says, and all these things. Look, we're going to go to verse 25. What things? Verse 25. I got to turn the page back, okay? For this reason, I say to you, who's doing the talking here? This Sermon on the Mount is Jesus Christ himself. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. 
Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? How many people spend so much time worried about what's the next fashion and what clothes do I Oh, I don't even have anything to wear. You got bazillion clothes. And I, I, you, you guys know I'm right. If you go on a trip with somebody and you stop and eat lunch, you get back in the car and they want to know what they're going to eat for dinner. I mean, that's all they do is think about the stupid food. Maybe they ought to think, what's the Lord want us to do today? See, we've got to put the kingdom of God first. Hmm. You know, when I was a kid growing up in Winfield, Kansas, I used to notice this. We didn't have, uh, they called them covered dish dinners where I grew up. We didn't have them very often. But when we did, people come out of the woodwork when there was free food. So it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. They won't show up for the Word of God, but they'll show up if you'll give them a bowl of beans. Kind of sounds like two brothers, I remember. This guy named Esau. He gave away that which was holy for a bowl of beans, too. Now, I don't think it's wrong to eat a bowl of beans. Obviously, I don't think it's wrong to eat a meal. We eat a meal here. Every but if that starts being what draws us here, we got a problem, brothers and sisters. And if you come, well, there was a, they really didn't have anything I liked last week, so I'm not going this week. Well, bring something you like. I might like it, too. You know, if anybody thinks they'd like lobster and prime rib and big, bring them up, you eat them. See, you look at that, people get, but they get, so he says, why are you so concerned about food, even shelter and clothing? So he said, don't be worried about that. And then he says here, let's just, let's just take what God supplied. You know, God gives you perfect lessons. Birds. Look at the birds of the air. Yeah, I see them. They do not sow. I've never seen a bird go plant any field. I've seen them eat a lot of seeds, but I've never seen them going and planting anything. Nor do they reap or gather in barn. They don't start storing up stuff. Well, let's start picking up all these seeds. We've got to pick up these seeds, pick up these seeds, pick up these seeds, because we don't know if them seeds will be there. They don't do that. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here it is. Aren't you worth more than a crow? Aren't you worth more than a starling? Aren't you worth more than a sparrow to God? He feeds them. Why do you think you've got to worry about where your food's coming from? Let's go on, verse 27. Or who of you, being worried, can add a single hour, or it might even say an inch, single foot, to your height or to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? And then he says, observe the lilies of the field, the field grow. They do not toil nor spin. You don't, well, you don't see them working and working and working. They just grow. And he says, yet I say to you, not even Solomon, let's remember how wealthy was Solomon when we looked at the book of Ecclesiastes and look at today's wealth and what they said Solomon was worth in that day is worth something around $6.2 trillion. Dollars. That's way wealthier than most countries in the world. But even Solomon in all of his glory, you know, that you take the prettiest clothing you ever saw and you let me find some little flower 
They're just even grows wild, and you really look at that thing in detail, and they can't ever produce anything that pretty. It's amazing. God amazes me with all kinds of things. I mean, eggs are one of the things that amaze me. You think about that egg. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. I mean, you can drop it and break it. But it's here, and it's doing all this. But one stinking little bitty chick that ain't strong enough to do nothing can peck his way out. I've watched them. I mean, they're amazing. God put them in there, and God is going to instill in them natural instinct. And if you've ever watched a chicken crack out of an egg, you know, they don't poke a little hole and then make the hole bigger and their head come out. And then, no, they, they go all the way around that egg. I wonder who taught them, but their mama taught them when they were in the egg. No, God instills that. God gives that naturally to them. Well, we got that a chick can hatch from eggs. Impressive how wise God is. I mean, I can make People say, man, Kendall, you're easily entertained. Well, I tell you what, I feel sorry for you if those things wouldn't entertain you. And it's fun to show that to little kids. And it's also fun, you just think about it. Tammy likes to do this with little kids. You know, even before that chick puts the first hole in there, when it's about to do it, you hold it, that dude's chirping inside that egg. It's chirping already in there. Wow. God is amazing. So, why are you worried about clothing? Why are you worried about food? But if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, that sounds better than mowing, and he, and he not much more clothe you, oh, you, what's the problem? You know why you're worried about food and shelter and clothing? I got to go to work because I got to supply this. I can't come to church service. I got to work, so I got more food and more clothing and more she better shelter. You know what your problem is? Lack of faith. God will take care of you. You got to trust him. Now, on what level? Maybe you think you need more than you need. I think about the need want thing a lot. And I'm used to a lot of things. You know, I'll be honest with you, we don't need heat in this building, and we don't need air conditioning in this building. You can put on, you can come worship with a whole bunch of clothes on, a coat on. And there's people that sweat through worship services all over this world all the time. And you don't even need chairs. You could stand up for this sermon. I did. So you could be standing up this whole time. There don't need to be chairs. You think about all those things. You don't have to have a refrigerator. You definitely don't have to have a microwave. Some of us lived a long time without a microwave, didn't we? Some of you might even live without a refrigerator. And some of you might even live where there wasn't even electricity or running water in the house. My dad said, we always had running water in the house. Mom sent me out and we ran back in with it. Huh. Boy, we just, we soft and we think we need everything that we don't need at all. I tell you what I need. I need the blood of my Savior, Jesus Christ, to wash away my sins. So we've got to remember, he'll take care of these things. Do not worry. Here we go. Don't be a little faith. Do not worry then saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear for clothes? What am I going to wear for this? Thing? Huh. You know, I think back, especially as my grandma would tell me. She said, you know, today, people don't want to wear the same article of clothing in one week. 
she said, we were glad to have an article of clothing to wear if we had to wear it every day. Huh. Well, they saw me wear it. Who cares? Wow. Said, why are you worrying about that? Why are you worrying about food, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear? Here it is for the Gentiles. And he's not talking as the Gentiles compared to the Jews. He's talking about the world as compared to Christians. This whole, they eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these. Does God know I need food? Does God know I have to have water to drink? Does God know that when it's chilly outside, especially, I might need some clothes to wear? And I need clothes to wear to stay decent anyway. Does God know that? He knows that. I can pray about it, but why would I worry about it? God knows that. And then he says, so here's what you do. You seek first the kingdom of God, and it says plain, he'll take care of the food, shelter, and clothing. So why, and here's what I tell people, when we're all bent out of, we got to feed ourselves, and we got to clothe ourselves, and we got to put a roof over our heads, at the point of not doing what God said, you know what we're doing? We're taking away what God said he was going to do. We're not giving God an opportunity to do what? That's kind of like thinking you'd save yourself. You can't do that either. God, let me ask you this. So food. You're going to supply the food. If God takes all the food away on the earth that he supplied, how are you going to feed yourself? You can't even supply food. First of all, know that. Without God, there is no food. How much water is there something to drink if God doesn't supply so why are you worried about it? And where are you going to find products to make clothing, whether it is from a plant, such as cotton and stuff, or whether it's from the hide or some critter? He supplied it all, right? He said, here's what you do, Kendall. You just focus on doing God's will. You focus on putting spiritual things first. And remember, all good things come from God. Well, I'm going to have to wrap that up, or you guys are going to say, yeah, we're not thinking about food, but the longer you speak, the longer I'm thinking about it. So anyway, <clears throat> just know every good, righteous, holy, and perfect thing is from above. And God has given that to us. And we need to thank Him for it, and we need to quit thinking we supplied any of it. We need to use it in a righteous way, and we need to give him all the glory and honor. We're going to get ready to sing this invitation song that Vernon uh, chose for us today. And as we sing that invitation song, one of the things God has given us, this indescribable gift, he's given us the plan of salvation. And if you've not yet confessed faith in Jesus because of your belief in Him and been baptized after you repented, then you need to do that today. And if you're a Christian and you've been taking credit for what God says and you've been worrying about things that God said He'd take care of, if we can help you in any way with your faith in God and your obedience to Him, please come as we stand and sing.